Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy. I'm here with this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep story history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, as I mentioned once already, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today's podcast, we're talking about a legendary storyteller of the Smokies, amongst other interesting tidbits. But first, a little bit from our sponsors. Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant, with a chic Appalachian feel, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. Imagine a place with mountain heritage food and an underground speakeasy. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. Smokiesadventure.com. That's Smokies, plural, adventure, singular.com. It's a place for information and listings about the Smokies. Hiking and wedding venues, books and trail marks and trail maps and resources to help you experience the Smoky Mountains in a more fulfilling way. The emphasis of the Smokies is on outdoor recreation, outdoor uh, life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information on lodging, family entertainment, events, conventions, honeymoons, and more. The goal of this site is to become the leading information portal of the Smoky Mountains. So I got a couple of events to tell you about. Somewhere between character and caricature, there exists an authentic, a truly unique culture of the Smoky Mountains. Understanding that culture blends the global and the local, the old, the new, and gains relevance in understanding the elements of culture that brought us to where we are now and where we can go in the future. The, Mo- the Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center located at the beautiful Meadowlark Motel, is proud to announce a series of 20, I think now 21, heritage-themed events scheduled for 2022. And each of these events is designed to be, to understand a different element of Smoky Mountain culture and lead members and guests on a journey of understanding for the past and the future. And the first event is this Saturday, February 26, at 4 p.m. at the Meadowlark Motel. Uh, It's it's going to be uh, led by Gen- uh, the Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center general manager and award-winning author Bob Plott as he launches the first of six heritage book programs and a book signing of his books. Bob's first program this weekend focuses on the history of the Plot Hound, the official state dog of North Carolina, a legendary breed with a rich and storied history in Haywood County, County and it features Bob's first book, Strike and Stay, the story of the plot hound. This fun and informative program will be followed by a delicious barbecue dinner and acoustic music with Mike Ogletree, former drummer for Simple Minds, and some friends making for an entertaining afternoon and evening. The the event is free to motel guests and Heritage Club members, and non-members and local residents are welcome to attend the program and enjoy dinner and music for only $10. Call 828-926-1717 to book your room and or your reservation. Uh, To find out about other events in the Heritage Series, you can go to the website, metalarkmotel.com, and look at the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center under uh, events under the events uh, menu of selection. Coming up in March and April, coming up in actually in April, is a fly fishing camp. What's better for the soul than throwing a line upstream, watching it pass and doing it again and again, and perhaps getting a bite? All anglers know that fly fishing isn't only about reeling in the big one. Although that always gets my heart jumping, 
Fly fishing is about being one with the river and its magnificent presence while witnessing a valuable ecosystem. So the Medlark Motel is offering a fly fishing camp weekend in the Smoky Mountains. Our goal, and we're gonna do multiple of these and the first ones in, in April, our goal is to bring like-minded people together through fly fishing, food, drinks, stories, and a campfire. Camp weekends are perfect for those new to fly fishing and, who's, and those looking for some extra instruction or anyone with experience who enjoys fishing in a small group and making new friends. Each trip is built around those attending and we will all share in the experience. You can expect quality time on the river and nights around the campfire with a, a drink in hand. Truths and tall tales are, allowed, are all allowed at the camp. Camps are limited to 20 anglers. It's going to have some great, um, great um, uh, um, expert uh, guides. It'll be led by Dan, Dan Sasser and Charles Humphrey, Humphrey III. Uh, Dan Sasser is the owner of High Trout Guides Limited based in Highlands, North Carolina. And its mission is to provide and promote the ultimate fly fishing experiences for clients, clients and friends. Um, and it was, um, it, was, it was formed by Sasser, who led professional fly fishing treks from Montana to Georgia, and was renowned as an innovator in the fly fishing industry. Charles Humphrey III, who's been on this show, is a Grammy award-winning musician and endurance athlete, athlete who also has three decades of elite guiding experience in fly fishing. He's led fishing jumps from Alaska, Canada, Oregon, Wyoming, Colorado, and all across the Smoky Mountains. And there'll be additional guides, professional guides as well, because there'll be a minimum of one guide per two participants. So the weekend is uh, April 15th and 16th. There'll be, um, besides the fly fishing, there'll be uh, uh, an evening of uh, videos on stories of, the smoke, of, of fishing in the mountains, uh, there'll be music, there'll be free, uh, free barbecue, there'll be breakfasts, and it includes two night, uh, the, 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 the price is $875 per person, it includes two nights lodging, the breakfasts, the barbecues, you know, beverages in the speakeasy, and then hands-on instruction on Saturday morning, and then real intense fishing on some elite streams in the afternoon. And of course, we have a trout stream at the Metal Ark Motel. It's a mountain heritage trout stream. So on your own time, or as part of this, wherever you want to fish, you'll have time to also fish and practice what you learn. Um, call 828-926-1717 to make reservations. So we're talking about fish tales, and we're going to be talking about storytellers. So I, you know, I like to, you know, sometimes find a poem or something. And last time I think I made Will break down and cry and sob on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the show. So I, I brought I my tissues. To, I was trying to accomplish that again. So in the 1980s, a folk singer named Mike Jones wrote a song called The Storyteller. But I'm not a singer. So I'm going to read the lyrics as a poem. I'm a teller of tales, a spinner of yarns, a weaver of dreams and, and a liar. I'll teach you some stories to tell your friends while sitting at home by the fire. You may not believe everything that I say, but there's one thing I'll tell you that's true. For my stories were given as presents to me, and now they're my gifts to you. My stories are as old as the mountains and rivers that flow, flow through the land that they were born in. They were told in the homes of peasants in rags and kings with fine clothes adorning. There's no need for silver or gold in great store for a tale becomes richer with telling. And as long as each listener has a pair of good ears, it matters not where they are dwelling. A story well told, told can lift up your hearts and help you forget all your sorrows. It can give you strength and the courage to stand and face all your troubles tomorrow. For there's wisdom and wit, beauty and charm. There's laughter and sometimes there's tears. But when the story is over and the spell is broken, you'll find there's nothing to fear. My stories were learned in my grandparents' home where their grandfathers also had heard them. They were given as payment by traveling folk for a warm place to lay down their burdens. 
My stories are ageless. They never grow old. With each telling, they are born anew. And when my story is ended, I'll still be alive in the tales that I've given to you. So today I have a great guest. His name is William Ritter. He's been on the show before. He is an award-winning historian, author, folklore, singer, songwriter, and can play almost any stringed instrument and is an expert on heirloom seeds and has devoted a good part of his adult life to documenting the contributions of old-time Appalachian musicians and ballad singers. William is a repeat guest on the show, has done several events at the Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center, and has several lined up for this year as well. Hello, William. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Joseph. Good. How's that farm up in Bakersville? Uh, well, it's still pretty sleepy. We um, have a, a spring's just starting to pop. The um, the Easter flowers or jonquils or, or daffodils um, are, are peeking out and the crocuses are, are daring to bloom. So uh, <laughs> things are starting, you know. It's, well, it's, it's going to be plant season soon. You, uh, you gave me some candy roasters uh, seeds. I really appreciate that. Once I plant them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you can plant some out behind the metal arc. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, but when's a good time to plant them? Uh, well, that that depends. Um, with well, you know, it's interesting that that you should say that. Um, I actually going through. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Bobby McMillan later, but going through his his things, um, there was a little bit of what I call nature sign planting, which is different from celestial zodiac um, sign planting. Um, when you actually observe nature to see what it's doing to help you know when you should plant that. And so cucumbers, which aren't all that different in their requirements to, to squash um, and, are, and are kind of related. Um, they, Bobby wrote in one of his journals that you should plant your cucumbers. And I, I would say you could do your squash too, potentially. Um, I wouldn't plant all your seed then because you could have a, a frost. But um, when the, the, the um, dogwood flowers are are blooming is when you could go ahead and plant them. That feels a little early, but yeah, but maybe. Wow. Well, I'm gonna <laughs> be there. Not, I think I'm it's worth trying. I've be, also I'm heard a... when they hit when the when the dogwood flowers actually hit the ground uh, um, is when you could start them. So I'm planning. But never on plant being, all your seed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm planning on some back. I'm planning on being there from March 12th to the 27th. So I figured that was to give me a good window to. <laughs> Plant some things, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Well, you know, you just got to look for those dogwoods. <laughs> you got to look for those dogwoods. All right. Well, we got, uh, I, I, I was so long-winded, I got to the break time. So we're going to take a break, and then we'll finish. Uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about your current events and then get into uh, story, you know, storytelling, Bobby McMillan. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, William Ritter. So, William, I saw, I was looking around, sneaking around, stalking you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I saw that you did the uh, music, uh, did the music and performed live for an 80 minute adaption of Shakespeare's Midnight Summer's Midsummer's Night's Dream this last fall. How did you end up doing that and how was, how did it go? Uh, I, I mean, I think it went really well. Um, um, it, it, it was pretty magical for me. And that's not a joke about it being a very magical play um, thematically. But um, it, it was nice because it'd been a little while since I'd been involved in theater. Um, I actually got my theater degree, which is another long-winded story because it's kind of amazing I ended up with that. But if you take a lot of random classes in college, you never know what you might end up with right, in the right, future. Right, right. Um <laughs> But anyway, so I got invited to do this play because I had provided this, the music for a previous play at Western Carolina um, where they had done the um, Midsummer Night's Dream Shakespeare um, and they'd set it in, 20s, in the 20s in Appalachia. So um, it's kind of, kind of interesting um, to kind of draw some threads together of, of Shakespearean language um, and, and songs and, and music and, and kind of stew that in together with uh, traditional mostly tunes and mostly play traditional fiddle tunes um but when i did it earlier we had had more singing um and that but they asked me i guess it was 10 years had passed since that happened which blows my mind mm -hmm. um and so they asked me again to come down last year and and help with a, another new crop of young um thespians um to put on the show but they did it outside which it, it's a classic play for for uh, an outdoor performance um and they renovated the picnic shelter into a really nice stage it was pretty amazing so hats off to them for that but i think what was really special to me was just the kids you know they hadn't been able to really be in front of a live audience in a long time i mean these are actors in that that um and and because of the pandemic had really not had any opportunity to have an audience in front of them so it was really powerful in that to, to to have them have that opportunity that they'd been had been kind of withheld from them for a while and me too really mm -hmm. um but also a lot of there were students that they said were um first year juniors so what's a first year junior well they were a junior <laughs> in credits but it was the first year they'd really had been like you know oh, in yeah, classes they, they got school. all their credits they got all their advanced placement stuff and they got right went into right into junior year wow well, well yeah, yeah but but you know it wasn't because they like were smart and went to um you know uh a community college it was because they're they were taking all the classes from home uh -huh. um because of the pandemic so it it was it was their first play a lot of them wow um, even though they'd been a theater major for a while before that um so but they did a great job and they cool had a lot of passion it was it was um it was good to be around well you know the i mean a lot of people don't know that the, the mount smoky mountain area has a lot of actually really innovative uh you know theater and you know um you know western carolina university Asheville, you know other places you know under these hills under these yeah. hills and if you consider that the black mountain school art schools there and performances and, and happenings started, you know, there, right? You had John Cage doing things in Rauschenberg and, you know, so the right. mountains have really been uh, a place where, you know, you know, uh, theater and performances have really, you know, a lot of times gone over into the real avant-garde. Right. And the outdoor theater kind of movement in North Carolina has been huge and was really huge in that movement. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting history, interesting there for sure. Cool. So, are you? Are, are you? You're, I see you're still involved with the Happy Valley Fiddlers Convention, the Mountains Folk Festival. Are they going on this year? Did they go on last year? Yes. Yeah. We are. Both of them are are on. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. We uh, we look forward to finally um, bringing <laughs> Happy Valley Fiddlers Convention back um, after a, a you know a two year hiatus. Um, and, and that's all, that's all going, going well. And we're excited about it. Um, and then also the music in the mountains last year, we had it for the first time, even though it's a 30, I think a 30 year old, um, it, well, it's, it, it's decades in the making, um, that they've, they've had 
the music in the mountains in Burnsville. But last year we actually moved its location so that we'd have could do it outside to um, Home Place Beer Company, which is a, a great, really interesting, kind of an Appalachian chic, actually, brewery, yeah. All right. um, to, to, to borrow a phrase from the Metal Arc um, in, in Burnsville. And it was hugely attended. Um, and um, it, it, went, it went well, and we're, we're looking to build on that um, this year. Um, so we're, we're very excited about, about that. Cool. And if I, and I, you know, I remember that you and your wife actually performed at the Metal Arc. Your wife is Sarah Ogletree. Are you guys doing a lot of performances together lately? Oh, um, no, not really. Though we did just play at the Pinecone, um, uh, perform as a part of the Pinecone performance series um, down in Raleigh just a few nights ago. Um, and that was uh, really fun. That was nice to get out as part of a, a kind of North Carolina gospel traditions concert. Um, and we had to shake off quite a bit of rust. Um, it's, <laughs> I haven't been playing much, um, with the people I normally play with or with Sarah either, either. It was partly because of her work, but also just, you know, gigs, um, we all know how they've, they've really disappeared or dried up or changed into digital events and things. So it was very refreshing to get out in front of a live audience and, and perform. And, and it was the Pinecone Pinecone is a, is a great organization uh, worth mm -hmm. worth looking up. And if you're in Raleigh, definitely go see some of their shows. You know, I, uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up and was born and raised in the Smokies. My family came from a long time and, you know, and the cultural heritage, the, the performances, it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's about, that's probably what I cherish about the region. I mean, mm -hmm. there's the beauty, there's the natural wonders, but you know, I'm not a big hiker. I do, I, I go and I'm not a big camper, but I, I love to have a campfire at night, but that's because I like to sit around and talk with people. And, you know, of course there's my family roots there. So, but you know, really the cultural heritage is what I find so special. What if, what about this region is so special to you? Uh, uh, how long do we have? Um, <laughs> what um, the top three highlights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I would say, you know, the, the people, um, is big, which that kind of, uh, brings all those threads together. But, um, you know, mountain culture is its own, its own culture. Um, people have their own ways of talking and thinking and doing. And, um, and so that's, I don't know, part, part of it's because I grew up uh, with it and, um, it's, uh, it's something that just, it does feel like home to me, but, but it is a really rich, area for folklore and traditions and there's a rich heritage of celebrating them too which might be why we have as much as we do because places like the metal arc um you know have continued to put per artists you know on a on a platform to share with people coming into the region or the people that already live here um and so that is that's a really deep well that means a lot to me but but also there's just you can't beat the scenic beauty um, I think, uh, whether it's the, no matter what time of year it is, there's something about being able to see either all that green or all those colors all up before you, um, kind of, and, and, and in the winter, all the definition, um, and the contrast, it's, it's beautiful. I, you know, I remember, um, going to Scotland and, um, going to one spot, um, near Calendar where, where some of my ancestors are from. And uh, I remember I was with Sarah and I was like, wow, this, this plot is so beautiful. She's like, that looks like where we came from. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm always finding something that like kind of reminds me of home. And that's my favorite thing. And it often frustrates people. But I, I love living in the mountains. I, I shriveled up like a, a little prune when I, I left to a place that wasn't even really that far out of the mountains. So yeah. it's just really a part of me. I don't know. So the people, the place... And the third thing um, would would maybe be the the food. <laughs> <laughs> so, the food here, yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love the the culinary traditions here, um, many of which have been pretty obscured and are not easily, you know, they're not easily ported over into something that you would get at a restaurant you know that just mm -hmm. they're either like health codes would be like no 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 you can't do that <laughs> or yeah. or they're just they would be kind of expensive even though they weren't like a rich man's food it's just 
um, kind of slow food type of thing that you can't you can't really oh, yeah. and it's, monetize you know, easily. And, and people, you know, the thing is that people they look at Southern food that thinks that's the same thing that we're talking about. But mountain food is not exactly like Southern food. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I you, was you, I was telling people I used to eat yeah for breakfast growing up is beans and cornbread with 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 a you know purple onions you know and uh you know and things like that yeah you'd be amazed how good that is when it's done right yeah yeah and totally uh, i mean yeah (laughs) i i i I completely agree (laughs) yeah and slow barbecue and the way they cook chicken and you know the other things are just slightly different than what you would you know consider southern food so I mean, not that I, you don't like, there was Southern food here as well, but there was a mountain cuisine. You know, one of the things I want to do at the Metal Arc, yeah, I don't know if you know, but we're creating a restaurant. Oh, fabulous. And what, I, uh, what I'm trying to do is to find, I want to do old mountain, you know, recipes, you know, maybe with a slight twist, right? Yeah. And so. Appalachian chic, uh, right? <laughs> Appalachian chic. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, take that, that, that dish of beans and cornbread and onions well done, and add some avocado on it, <laughs> right? It's like a that's like a quinoa bowl, bowl. And, right. yeah. But it's a mountain bowl, you know, mountain bowl, but uh, you know, healthy and and robust and and good tasting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and hot sauce goes with it really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I put hot sauce on everything, though, pretty much. I think yeah. even ice cream. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, no, I, I think that's up. We're, you know, we're gonna have to take another break here um so i don't want to start in another line of questioning because we got a whole a whole little section to go through here but um we'll be back in just a moment we'll start talking about bobby howdy i am joseph franklin mcelroy host of the new podcast gateway to the smokies it airs on talkradio.nyc every tuesday night from 6 p.m to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with uh, Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, William Ritter. So, William, you know, you've, uh, you know, I, I, I was reading how you, uh, you actually grew up on the grounds of the, of the Penland uh, Folk School, which must, where your parents were instructors. That must have been an incredible experience. You learned a lot about storytelling and folk songs there, right? Well, it, um, to, I should say to a degree, I mean, it, yeah. so the, the, Penland School of Craft now, as it was the Penland School of Crafts when I um, was uh, going over there. I didn't, wouldn't say I exactly grew up on the grounds, but I was there a lot because um, my, my parents met there back in the, the 70s um, and they did teach a lot there over, over the course of the years and we didn't live very far from there. So I was 
taken over to to Penland quite a bit, not as, quite as much as some of the other artists' kids. Um, yeah. But um, but I certainly did spend a lot of a lot of time there, especially if mom and dad were teaching a class. You know, I'd I'd have to go over there after getting out of school or something. Um, and it was it honestly is a pretty magical place, unlike maybe like the um, the maybe like Aramont or um, Johnson Campbell Folk School. It it leans mm-hmm. a little more more onto the 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 high end of of of, of craft. Um, though. I, 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 I'm not trying to pigeonhole them there. No, but, no, but no, that's all right. I just, I, I just think it must have been a mad, you know, uh, it, you know, it, it intrigued me that you grew up on it. So it's kind of cool. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're involved so much in heritage music and storytelling. I mean, I think one of your mentors was, was mentors early on was Ray Dillinger. Um, yes. Yeah. Who we talked mm-hmm. about last time and, you know, and then um, lately, um, you know, you've been involved with a, a guy that was, uh, you know, a, a legend, Bobby McMillan, who is, uh, it was an enclaved ballad singer and New York, North, uh, North Carolina Folk Heritage Award winner. And he spent his lifetime collecting the local songs and regional variations. And I, and, and I, I didn't get to hear all of it, but he had one of the most expansive repertoires of any singer. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was incredible. And, you know, he came to the metal arc last year and I guess it was one of his, you know, you know, last performances. I don't know when, you know, exactly, but it, you know, it had been in the year, you know, and he told a, uh, a great story about, and which ended up, I love to tell to mention is ended up somehow he was hunting and he ended up catching 50 fish in his pant legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he sang a story. So, um, and I, I think that, uh, you and Bob and uh, and uh, Bobby Bob Plot, who's the um, the uh, manager of the most, have done a lot of things together with uh, programs together, haven't you? Yeah, we we um, we got to few do a few. I you know I think if it hadn't been for the the pandemic, we would have we would have been able to do more. Um, but uh, yeah, we we have got to do some shows together, which was really uh, really fun for me. I mean, it was always fun to sing. Uh, or you know or or drive bobby around and and take him to performances and and um and that that sort of thing but i also just really um you know i remember like the the look on on bob's face when he first really like got to hear bobby um you know it was like oh my gosh you know it took him back to when he was hanging out with stanley hicks and those old old guys um and um really bobby was like a um kind of really was like a blast from the past as, as a, in terms of a storyteller, he really. Oh, it was um, great. It, it was, it took, it took me right back. Cause I'm, I, you know, I remember my grandfather would tell a tall tale like that, and, which mm-hmm. ended up with him shooting, uh, using a musket to shoot a squirrel and, and, it, and, and he shot it with the, 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 the tamper that came out. Yeah. Of the bullet. <laughs> <scary. laughs> so, you know, but um I know that you were you were really excited to get a special grant to uh, fund the, the documenting of the life and works of Bobby, uh, and and then get him out doing shows again. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so that was through the North Carolina Arts Council, um, in in partnership with a a, a foundation that I am um, always happy to brag on, <laughs> um, yeah. called South Arts um, out of Atlanta. Um, and they put together a, a grant opportunity for a mentor and an apprentice to um, to study together, um, and it was about a ten thousand dollar grant, mostly that went towards the mentor, um, but just to try to encourage you know those kind of deeper relationships and help fund um, people that might not have you know the finances to really um, work together. You know, you can be so caught up in the hustle of just paying rent and you know, feeding yourself and all that, that you don't, um, get to kind of take some of those opportunities. Um, and, but really what, what happened with me and Bobby is, is I was kind of doing the thing that I'm always trying to do, which is trying to like help, um, you know, help other artists with some opportunities that I, I see, um, coming down the pike. And I was trying to find an apprentice for Bobby. <laughs> and finally he said, William, why don't you just be my apprentice? And I was like, <laughs> You know that's a great idea. Let's yeah, do that. There you so go. Yeah. I put together this, um, you know, package of, of an application, um, and just it's one of those things where you just had incredible unknown foresight. 
Bobby and I lived kind of far from each other. So I developed the whole thing that we could do it mostly remotely. Uh But this was before the pandemic. Um, So I had no idea that that the whole thing ended up being designed perfectly, really, to work during a pandemic because we were able to do so much of it remotely. Um, on the downside, we didn't get to do as much of me taking him to gigs because those just disappeared. Um, right, yeah. And that was my favorite thing. I, I, I put a little camera on the, uh, like a little, you know, um, GoPro in the car and, and we'd film and, and, and record the car rides because that's like a, you know, a slice of, of, of its own kind of folklore. Um, it's just riding with these traditional artists and these old timers places. Like, I mean, it's just the best stories you've ever heard. Um, mm-hmm. and a different, totally different kind of storytelling in a way than when you get up on a stage, though, Bobby was always the same storyteller. I felt like on a stage or singer as he was in yeah. his living room. Sometimes oh, he, he, sounded very, he sounded very authentic. Like he was just telling a story to friends when he was on stage. Yeah. 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 It was very important to him to, to be like that, to, yeah. to be like, um, not be putting on any, any kind of special added sauce. He just wanted to be himself up there a lot. You know, you, that's kind of like the way Doc Watson was. There's just a lot of artists that I admire that just were really tried to be themselves, or at least it seemed like that's what they were trying to do. I think it was true with both of them. Um, and, and I kind of tried to do that too. It can, and Ray Dillinger, you know, that's the way he was. When we would get up and play, he, did, he said, his dad always said, I is who I is and I can't get no izzer. <laughs> um, and uh, I always liked that. There's something kind of liberating and kind of, you know, can be really uh make some people feel uncomfortable about being themselves in front of a big crowd of people but i i think it's really um i like that feeling <laughs> i don't really want to try to be anyone else and that's part of why yeah. i stopped doing theater um but um it that's something that i really enjoyed working with with bobby is he really was just an old-time storyteller and and, and i love that he wasn't um I hate to use the term like a Jonesboro uh, storyteller, but there's some more professionalized storytellers right, that yeah. get up and it's a, just a different thing. But he felt like I was sitting next to some old dude in a general store a hundred years ago telling, yeah, a story. About hey, he looked like a dude sat, you would have sat around a hundred years ago. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he died last year. What What's the status of your project now? What, uh, how are you continuing it? Um, so we're... You know, it was funny for for someone that was um, really in poor health. Bobby suffered from diabetes and and uh, some weight issues and 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 all the things that come with diabetes. Um, and but but we really all were very caught off guard by his passing, um, even though he hadn't been well and had had a lot of health issues. Um, it really did just kind of surprise us because Bobby had been a poor health for so long. In a way, you just he seemed to just keep ticking and and I guess right. we we were we got used to the privilege of having him um and so when he passed um uh his his wife was generous um in that she donated to us all of his his books uh, well, donated to me but 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 I I you know I um, I think she did so knowing that I would not like keep them or right, like right, 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 that yeah. I felt like they needed to be shared with all his books, his notebooks where he sat down and wrote, you know, all of these stories and song lyrics he'd come across. Um, and just, I mean, a, a, a lifetime's work of, of papers. Um, and so I um, got together with Sheila K. Adams, who was probably Bobby's, one of his closest friends, if not his closest um, friend for over 40, 40 some years. Um, and she's a great ballad singer and storyteller and, and, and author. And, and she's well acclaimed and has won, you know, national o- awards um, for doing the work that she does. But so, and she's on the product and also Rodney Sutton, who is, is a great um, uh, dancer and, and, and personality and really, really interesting um Really interesting person, but both of them worked with Bobby quite a bit, particularly Sheila, but also Rodney um, documented him a lot in a project that they did together. Um, and so uh, we three got together and, and you know, also kind of working with some other people in the network that knew, knew Bobby and appreciated him, uh, kind of brainstormed on where we might take all of his papers and books. And we took them 
uh, decided to go to Mars Hill University, which is a, a small college, um, and uh, but it happens to be in, in Madison County, which is kind of like, you know, I think of like the heartland um, of, of Appalachian ballad singing, because it's still carried on there in a way that it's in not in a lot of other communities by people that are like, you know, were kin to the people that were recorded right. before them. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we felt like it was important to have it there. And so what we've been doing is um, taking Bobby's papers, which are, bless his heart, not well organized, <laughs> and, and try to get him organized so that um, one, you know, over so that we can continue to learn from Bobby um, for on into perpetuity, but but also to kind of fill in the blanks because Sheila and, and Rodney and me and others know answers to questions that, you know, a researcher will never know in the future. So we're just trying mm -hmm. to be responsible and make it accessible. Now, do you, how are you funding this? Uh, well, right now we've just started with a GoFundMe, uh, which is a Bobby McMillan legacy. Um, and that's, um, you, you can find that relatively easily online. Um, you can also go to my Song to Seed website, and it had, talks about the Bobby McMillan Legacy Project we're doing. Um, we just crested uh, 4,000, um, but part of that's going to go back towards his wife, Joyce, because um, she was so generous um, in sharing all of this material with us. It could have ended up just moldering in a closet or being sold because the books were valuable. So we're going to give her what we'd call a love offering, which is a little financial gift, but also... Um, we'll use the rest of it for matching grants, some travel to do research and, and, um, and some other, other things. Um, but, uh, we're, we're really grateful for the start that we have, but there's still a lot to go, I think, to make this what it needs to be and, and mm -hmm. should be. And what are your future plans to do, to do with all this for honoring Bobby and perpetuating his legacy? Well, um, I will probably sing a song that Bobby did every time that I ever play anywhere. Um, so that's on a personal level. But but also, I just want to figure out through a website, maybe my website, to make his stuff that's scattered different places, make it accessible and, and a way that... Uh, Sounds like a book or an album where the stories would be worthwhile. Yeah, so yeah. we've got plans for, for doing something similar. We've been talking about doing something like that. There's a lot of different threads, I think. But one is to have a reading room in Mars Hill so people can go and they can listen to all of Bobby's music. They can read all of his, his uh, books and look at his um, notebooks there and, and learn from him like we learned from him. Um, so... That's that's part of the plan, but there's a there's a lot of artistic opportunity, I think, to move forward. Oh, I know with Bobby's work. So, oh wow. So I guess I mean it, it had to be devastating, and I'm and I'm a, I, I think to rise and you know find a, a way to perpetuate legacy is a good way to deal with that devastation, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. been healing. I can imagine it's been healing. Um, you know. Um, um, you know, I, I, I want to get on to the, the next things that we're going to talk about, but we're about to have a break. So um, let's take a break now, and then we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of the things that are coming up. Sounds good. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, William Ritter. So, uh, William, I know that you have booked uh, with Tim McWilliams for a special concert at the Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center Plotfest reunion uh, on June 3rd to 5th of 2022. That's coming up this June. That is a little different from your typical old time musical show. How is it? How is that? Uh, well, <laughs> this, this, I, I don't want to get into like a loaded critique of the old time music genre. No, um, no, no. Okay. Um, well, well, I think it's a little bit different. Um, talking about old time music, uh, in a real, um, is this like, old, is this like old time, speaking. is this like old time mountain music or old time country music? Which one is it dear? So it, it'll be a mix of things. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Tim and I, you know, on one hand, like we love to play like uh, Doc Watson um, and and uh, Tim O'Brien and, and some other um, artists. Of course, both of those are Appalachian artists. Um, but we also do some, you know, some fair and young and, and some other country, you know, uh, you know, country groups um pretty wide ranging but but just lately i i know that um tim has been doing a lot of work with josh goforth um and josh goforth and tim actually received the same grant um that bobby and i did um to work um together um josh goforth is an amazing musician incredible storyteller um and uh, just i it it's hard to say it's hard to overstate how good of a musician he is to be honest they call him the acoustic wizard um he's definitely worth um looking up sometime um as very very talented but he also is really connected to um his madison county music roots um and has put a lot of time into you know kind of absorbing the I would say like the Asheville, greater Asheville, um, kind of middle Western North Carolina music traditions. And so he's been passing that on um, to Tim and in uh, with, with hopes that, you know, Tim will continue to pass it on too, which he does. He's a, Tim is a music teacher in Asheville. Um, and so he's been trying to incorporate some of that into his uh, school curriculum. So that's really, really a neat, neat thing. Um, so, but we are really connected to a lot of, of real Appalachian, like um, local regional s- stuff, um, kind of the deep cuts. We, we do some things that you may have heard a version of that song that we do, but it's, you're, it's a different version than you probably heard before. Oh, fabulous. Um, but we also do some stuff that, that's common as dirt, you know, that, that everybody played because we like that. And it's it, nobody wants to hear, I think, a concert where they've never heard any of the songs before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we do a real, I think, a real healthy mix. And we have a lot of fun. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. We just have a whole lot of fun. It's, it's always been great fun um, to play with Tim. We both went to grad school together at, at App State. Um, and so we... we uh, we really enjoy kind of, like I said, digging deeply into some of these Western North Carolina music traditions, um, but but also playing some of the stuff, like I said, that that are the uh, the the pop hits of the. Oh, I look forward. I look. Mountains. I, I look forward to hearing about hearing that. I'll be there for sure. Good. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, this pandemic has been tough, right? Uh, and I imagine it's been tough, especially in the winter. Uh, how do you keep yourself active as a musician and performer in these times? How have you been doing it? It's um, a good question, Joseph. Do you know the answer to that question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can do Zoom concerts all, right, all the while, right. but it's just not the same thing, right? No. no. Um, 
Though I, I did recently just try something new called Riverside FM, mm-hmm. which is like a podcasting service, kind of like Zoomish, you know, um, and did that with Sheila K. Adams um, as just kind of to test out the the service, and and that mm-hmm. actually went really well. I would I was really happy with that. Um, so that was that was neat, and I'd like to try to do more of that kind of thing. Um, you know, I would think that a, the Clubhouse. You heard of Clubhouse? It's Clubhouse. A, a Clubhouse is a is an app that's become very popular, uh, where it's basically people get on and and it's all audio chat rooms and people get on and they talk. I think that'd be great for storytelling, right? Yeah, right? yeah, that, that sounds. It, yeah, sounds, you, should, you should definitely that investigate good. that Clubhouse. Yeah, I'll look into that. Because I know um, a lot of poets, especially urban poets, are doing it and having very big success, getting big crowds and and things coming. But I think the mountain storytelling would be great on the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe that's a um, yeah. I, I've really been I've been thinking about this for a long time. Ways that um, this kind of digital experience um, can help us kind of spread, uh, kind of evangelize for these mountain traditions. Um, and, and I, you know, even before the pandemic, I was thinking, I knew all these like elder, you know, uh, tradition bearers, as we call them, or folk practitioners, people that knew all these old ways and told these great stories. And they weren't necessarily always like professional in, in you know, in, in presenting their art. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's what I wanted, really. I, it, it was, I had this... Um, I hate to use the A word, authenticity, but but that's yeah. what it was. That's what I was looking for. Um, and um, I wanted to find a way that people that couldn't really even get out of their house necessarily or were really mobility bound or or their health prevented them from sharing their art. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. So I wanted to figure out a way to, to, to do that. And that's part of what I, what I was exploring with, with Bobby um, and did learn a lot about, I think, that some possibilities and i think more have come out of it because of the pandemic more opportunities have have come along that we've invested in the technology and more people are are familiar with it um but you know like a podcast is a great medium for an older storyteller oh yeah um, and and i think get out anymore (laughs) i think this uh this club has i've been thinking about doing like a metal arc storytelling lounge or something like that you know because uh, i think it's a great medium for that yeah yeah Yeah. um i I'd love to. I'd love to see something like that. I, you know, there's a there's a really good storyteller in um, Silva named Gary Carden. I mean, he has you know some pretty serious health issues that he's he's you know had to to work with and it made it hard for him to get out. But he's a fabulous storyteller. I mean, he's he's really incredible. He he's just um, kind of relaunched, but uh, um, a, a podcast that that um, someone's helping him do, um, and I really hope that works out for him. Oh wow, um, well, that'd be great. But uh, so he's, um, he's great. So uh, anything that uh, you're uh, upcoming for you, you'd like to let the audience know about, you know, anything that they uh, should watch out for? Um, well, you know, deer. <laughs> <laughs> I just had the wildlife uh, guy here last week that's doing the, the, the crossways over the over the uh, over the uh, the I-40. So. That's fascinating. I, I am just, I am thrilled yeah. that they're doing that. And it's a really yeah. good idea because, I mean, yeah. it's incredibly yeah. dangerous. Um, All right. But, um, uh, so, so how can people get a hold of you or look you up, find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of ways. One, you could go to songtosee.com. That's song and T-O, not the number two. Song, T-O, um, to, yeah, songtosee.com. Um, and on there, you can actually, there's a, there's a, a section that is the um, the Bobby McMillan legacy. That's kind of the home for it right now. You can listen to a lot of Bobby's recordings um, and things like that as I as I transfer them over for these cassettes and things and and some bits of wisdom that we're finding. Um, and then, uh, but but also on my website, you, you can find out more about what I do from music and also the seed saving part, which we talked more about um, in the, in the last podcast that that I was on here. Um, but then there's also uh, you could go to the Blue Ridge Heritage Area website. They have a directory that you can find all these different, um, you, you know, artists uh, that are practicing traditional um, folkways and folk song things like that. 
Um, so you can you can find a lot of them um, on there. I'm, I'm on there. It says a little bit about mm-hmm. about me. Um, and also there's a, a website that's um, my wife and I have that's uh, Sarah and William But any of those ways will will get you to me. Right. Um, and also Song to Seed has a um, of course has a Facebook page, but we also have a YouTube channel um where you can go and most of what i have on there right now is bobby mcmillan stuff that i've been uploading so you can kind of see and hear some of what we've been been talking about well i want to i want to thank you for being on the show today uh, second time around it's been very informative and very good I'm, I'm pleased to 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 have you and i look forward to seeing you this summer at uh, the metal arc uh heritage center plot fest and some other things too yeah me too um, i'm definitely looking forward to it yes this is uh, the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. We're on, uh, if you go to smokiesadventure.com, you can see the podcast uh, a link at the top of the page to get all the previous things. We also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast, where you can you know, watch it live, watch it streaming, find out more information. We're part of talkradio.nyc, which is a network of uh, that have, that has live podcasts every day, uh, ranging from small business to self-help to travel to all sorts of interesting things. So this podcast, The Gateway to Smokies, is every week, Tuesdays from um, uh, 6 to 7. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you all for listening. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. podcast gateway to the smokies it airs on talkradio.nyc every tuesday night from 6 p.m to 7 every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the great smoky mountains national park and surrounding areas this show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture history and adventure that awaits you in the smokies tune in every tuesday from 6 p.m to 7 on talkradio.nyc